Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. My next interview is with Mark Forster, and for me, it was a real treat. Mark, Mark is a brilliant director. He's a great guy. He's got a lot to say, and, and, and we, we had a really great time. And the film is All I See Is You. It's going to be in the theater very soon. And as he says, this is a, this is a, a meditation on a relationship that is slowly falling apart. We, we talk about love. We talk about relationships and about choices and about uh, the need to, to, I guess, to speak up more. You know, in the context of any relationship, really, and you know what? And, and again, this is a film about silence and about listening. And you know, one of the themes that's really bubbled to the surface for me at the festival has been about silence and 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 what 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 are we missing out on when we don't, you know, ask the relevant question or speak up or 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 sort of dial into a conversation or an issue or whatever uh, the, the 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 situation might be. So um you're going to you're going to enjoy this interview uh, as I said it was a real treat for me. You're going to enjoy Mark, you're going to enjoy the film uh coming right up Mark Forster and all I see is you davidpecklive.com for more interviews, my book Real Change is Incremental, you can book me there for live uh, speaking engagements and also rabble.ca for more information and more interviews uh, coming from the uh, digitally live from the Toronto International Film Festival. Mark Forster and All I See Is You. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today. Mark Forster is here today to talk about his new film. Just landed, I think. Uh, yes, I just got moments to, ago. Just got to Toronto. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, we're going to talk about your film. Uh, I think I have a feeling, based on our conversation before the recorder started, we're going to be talking about a few other things too. But all I see is you. Um, am I your first interview in, at the Toronto International Film Festival? No, we oh, have. Come on. 
unfortunately not. But but you know what? It it it, it, it feels it feels like uh, that that uh, an interview I'm actually looking forward to because oh. uh, because you like you you're not just purely approaching it seems like movies from a cinematic point of view so from a like social political point of view as well. Yeah, so absolutely. I you know what? I approach it cinematically if the structure is helping to move the story forward. How's yeah. that? If that if that makes any <laughs> the, sense? The, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. that's true. That's true. Well, I have to say, uh, two of the I mean. Southeast Asia, Thailand, um, uh, the relational component of this film uh, drew me in right away. And first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and, and welcome back to Toronto. <laughs> thank you. And, I'm, and can I say I'm a big fan? Monsters Ball, oh, Stranger Than Fiction. I mean, come on, R ridiculous. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, Here right. we are in this this makeshift <laughs> phone booth at the Intercontinental Hotel. It seems <laughs> yes. a little it seems a little disrespectful. Uh, the, I like uh, the pattern, uh, the carpet. <laughs> yes. Keeps you on edge with versus the blue velvet it's, we're sitting on it's here. It's a bit of a postmodern edge to it. Yes. It's, yeah, it's a little little unsettling. Yeah. So so is this is this film I mean it's about a lot of things clearly, uh, or maybe not so clearly in some respects. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the narrative? Uh, a lot of the listeners probably won't have seen it yet. But, uh, it, it's basically a, um, a sort of meditation over a relationship that's slowly sort of falling apart or and uh, you know it came comes to me uh, I really wanted to look in, into relationships because so many relationships if you look at them are codependence and uh, based on codependency and are you know often a big mess <laughs> and people you know often want to scream at their partner but don't they remain silent and the more they remain silent the the, the deeper the spiral uh, you know sort of goes and uh, the darker or the more uh, difficult the relationship becomes for them to actually stay together or and and that's that's what I want to to you know express is to 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 really look at it in a closed loop because I think so many people aren't able to express anymore what mm. they feel often mm. about their partner and it's so much about you know I love strong female protagonists I like the the, the metaphorical point of view of, of sight you know the, the 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 reason I chose the title "All I See Is You," for instance, is because it can be used on on both sides of the yeah, of, of course of, yeah. of the line from both point of view. So views. she's lost pretty much lost her eyesight as a result of a car accident for mm -hmm. about twenty years. Uh, yeah, right? about about, about uh, fifteen. Yeah, fifteen years and not full, not not a full loss. No. Uh, walks with the walks with the walking stick, and we see that she really depends on her husband. Uh, yes. At a certain level, yeah, uh, is dependent on him, but maybe not so much. And then has an operation, uh, restores yeah. one eye. Yes, it basically has a cornea and, operation, and and then essentially implant. things begin to, to change. Yes, but I mean the question I guess I got for you from a relational perspective is it makes me wonder. You know, the eye becomes the catalyst, and yet what was sort of bubbling below the surface. Yes, it's it's it. Uh, one could say yes, the eye is the catalyst, but it's 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 more. For for me, it's it's it was always bubbling below the surface, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and it, it's it's not. What what I think is important when people also go in to see the film is you know narratives can be explored in different different mm -hmm, ways, mm -hmm. and I think often people to this day and age uh, have like you know your certain box what you often expect of a movie, and right, it's like right. you say oh I I might think I'm expecting to see a thriller, but it is not a thriller because it doesn't have that typical payoff. It's a it, it's a really um, uh, sort of one looks looks at this relationship under a loop, 
and and what what I what I think is interesting for me is is sort of because we're in a visual medium that every frame tells a story mm. and every frame is sort of informs us about uh, the you know identity of each of these characters and and that's what I was trying to play with as well which it's interesting uh, that you bring up expectations I I mean talk about relational expectations yeah I mean it seems like he's really uncomfortable with where things go I mean yeah. I mean that's an understatement yeah. right he's just I mean actually actively and and in a very destructive way working against change in the relationship yeah so there's a real fear there so it, it kind of brings up the whole notion to me anyway of, of what we bring to the table in a theater obviously mm. to your point but also to each other yeah. right? and and this idea for me you know I'm so glad you brought up the idea of silence it's clearly I've, I'm at about 12 or 13 interviews for the festival so far mm. and it's been a theme this year in, in many of the docs I've seen mm. this idea that if you don't speak up mm. then what yeah that that's I mean I think that's for me is 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 the crucial point that we in our society in general we need to speak up more and more and and it's it's like it's it seems like people are more and more silenced and you know the more we t depend on technology often the less we connect individually mm. and and it's often our techno technological connection is not the same than our individual connection and I think they're two different things not that this goes into the movie but I'm just right yeah sure so. yeah yeah well actually I don't care if we really talk about the movie on some level okay. <laughs> we're, going, we're going we're going a little deeper it seems to me so what was really ironic for me uh, and I actually did not expect the breakdown mm. um, I was really drawn into the relationship I was yeah. really drawn into the this I don't know there was a sense of playfulness there was they really seemed to be pretty madly in love mm. and maybe not maybe mm. they really weren't uh, or or was that is that something we all kind of face do you think in, in our relationships I, I do think this, yes I do think absolutely I mean I like that's how partly you know partly because I, I wrote I wrote the script with a friend of mine is partly what I went personally through in some of my of my relationships but then I observed also with my parents and with mm. friends mm. And, and I felt like that there were cer certain mo certain things of of I felt were repetitious and also personal but also I think uh, one could generalize where I, I, I observed this with sev in several relationships and I think there are some people they meet and they're soulmates for the rest of their lives, right. and right. they have a great it's just love. The way it's going to be. Yes, and it's fantastic, but that that chance to meet your soulmate is is very rare. Mm. I think most of relationships go through this lifespan of being tremendous attracted, incredible in love, in this in this honeymoon phase, and ultimately there comes a point where you're not fulfilling each other either uh, intellectually, sexually. Or, or just you're getting bored of each other, or there's a there's a conflict, or the other person starts to annoy you and you don't express it, and and it's like they even made scientifically research, which is interesting, with men that that tune out the voice hmm. vibration of their wives, someone who is married for thirty years, wow. that they almost tune out the voice of their magnificent other. So they've picked. So some physiologically, they've picked up on on the 
the frequency. Yes, <laughs> of the, the, the of the voice frequency of so their of their wife and 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 the, to and the literally scientifically. Well, even if it's not <laughs> true, it's still a pretty interesting theory. notion or yes. metaphor, right? No. Because I think whether it is true or not, I think a lot of us do it. Right? Yes, we're pretty good. I mean, I'm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm constantly, I, I teach international development once a year, and, and my listeners have heard this many times, but I, I joke with my students, and mm -hmm. I say three things to be a good development worker. You've got to listen, you got to um, listen, and, uh, oh yeah, right, you got to listen, right? Yeah. And then big laugh, and we talk mm -hmm. about that, and, but, but really, the, when, we, when we go into another culture, and it's really easy to go in and not listen at all. And I go mm -hmm. into another culture, so I'm wearing the straw fedora, six foot, white, I apparently have all the answers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's so. So how? I don't know. I mean, did, did at some point did these did these two stop listening to each other? Do you think? I, I is that the blindness? Yes. Is that because yes? I mean, I, I exactly you got it on. Oh, you hit it on the nail. That yeah. that partly it's not about in, sight necessarily. Right, no, Mark? exactly. Yeah, okay. It's not necessarily about about sight. The sight is purely. It's like people who look at the film on the surface, they only see the sight and see, see the sight, yes, as a metaphor as this, but ultimately it's not about that. It's, it's literally at the end, it's about listening. And that's why I also put the song at the end, mm. because it's the song that he finally listens. Right, right. And he's right, finally right. got it. Right. And, and that's when she's telling him it, and she can't, couldn't express it to him in sort of words, so she's sort of almost sings it to him. Which is sort of like almost like fairy taleish, yes, and you yes, can say, yes. "Oh, this is like a little silly," but it's also a child song that then becomes about their relationship. It's kind of, it's pretty heartbreaking, actually. I think mm -hmm. anyone who's been through, uh, say, the massive sweeping generalization here, but most people who have been through uh, um, breakups of a particular kind, I think, will be able to resonate with with moments in the film where there's, I don't know, there's just this sense of longing for me anyway. There was this sense of course the metaphor of sight and so on and on a certain level is just just below the surface but but there's a sense of um, hmm, this sense of loneliness within the context of a relationship and that to me is a huge huge tragedy yeah and 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 how and you know how, how long did they live this you know this, this couple many many years it's you know I, I always like I was a big big fan always early on of of sort of these movies from Bergman or also mm. from from, mm. from Polanski mm. like movies like Repulsion or A Knife in the Water and then also like the Bergman movie like Persona or 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 White Strawberries and so on and and I always feel like there there is is uh, in those there's this sort of loneliness in relationships mm. uh, always fascinate me and it also fascinates me that peop so many people are lonely in relationships and trying to actually want to leave but can't and even there, there there's an unhealthy nature for each other that they're like sort of are not good for each other they still stay stay in the relationship and they're not leave they don't leave each other because of that codependency and I feel like that's often sort of to you rather be in status quo mm. instead of in initiating a change and I feel like that goes across of talking about international development often that there are moments which are things are so so bad that you ultimately are like everybody is frozen that they're ultimately paralyzed to get out of that situation than saying okay this let's this doesn't work let's just cut it off let's basically you know amputate do you think it's all broken relationships are repairable? No, I, 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 I actually believe that ultimately 
and that's that's the other thing that I I believe you either are in love and you're connected and you're right for each other and you're not but I do not be believe that's through couple therapy mm. or through through a way that that you really can find true happiness again I, I do think you find maybe you can become content mm. and you accept the situation sure yeah. but I and 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 accept the situation you're in and find contentment in that but I do not find you find complete bliss and fulfillment well, it's almost like you learn how to how to manage your discontent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah to your comment about the status quo and the whole codependency no. thing, right? And it, it just really becomes quite unhealthy. And I think for me, as a, uh, I don't know if you've read much French philosophy, but this whole idea of becoming who we are, yeah. I mean, that's going to, it's so ironic. No. That, you, know, you know, the existential movement says we know ourselves in relation to others. Yes. Right? German yeah. existentialism, yeah. same thing, yes. right? Thanks to you yeah. know, Heidegger and a few others. Yes. But, but, and it's so ironic that people will stay yeah. in, in, in a relationship uh, that, that isn't actually helping to reveal who they actually are. And Does that make any sense? Uh, absolutely. And absolutely, if you go back to even, like, you know, I'm sure you read Sartre. Yes. You know, the week low when they're all in hell, no, pretty much. one of my favorite novels yes. of all time. And, yeah. and, and it's like, you know, we are just, that's all we have. Yeah. Look, like pretty much looking at each other. Yeah. And that's sort of that, that idea of hell. Yeah, I often misquote hell as other people, if, uh, depending on the context. <laughs> <I'm in>. Yes. <laughs> so would you say, as a filmmaker, that, I mean, I'm sure there's certain themes that brought you to the art form in the first place, that brought you to the craft, that said, I need to say this. I want to express this, or I want to, I don't know, change the world in a particular way. What, I mean, relationships clearly, no. from what I know of your filmic history, are there it, it's, uh, I guess it grows along the way and changes too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it all starts always with, with character and, mm. and also myself, what I'm going through in the world, what the stories I want to tell. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, I grew up in Switzerland in the mountains, and, and I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, it was very sort of isolated. And, and so I, I, behind my parents' house, we had this forest and I always just played there and sort of like made up imaginary friends, mm. basically, to keep me company. And, uh, and ultimately uh, that, you know, as a kid, that's all fun and games. But uh, suddenly, you know, I came to an age where I had to figure out what I'm gonna do and I, I realized sto like the escape in sto storytelling is the escape of this reality. And I believe the reality we live in here right now is not, you know, the like if you look at just um, into physics, and I always loved physics, that this is not the only, only reality. Mm. But our mm. belief system is, is so strong that we believe each other that ultimately there, there are parallel realities that exist, but we not allow them to, to see them. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I feel just in physics-wise, those do exist, but because of our belief system, we are very much narrowed down in, in, in this matter. And what I find is interesting is ultimately that uh, our, like, if you have a, a newborn and you give that newborn love, it will flourish. If you project negativity on it, it will survive. If you ignore it, it will die. So, so ultimately our attention has shifted mm. lately that our attention used to be much more based on us individually and now it's more based on our gadget like the phone or computers. 
so that that reality becomes more create, gets more attention or our focus than actually us as individuals gets less and kids get less and I'm wondering how that uh, sort of generation that's born now how it will be because their parents give them less attention than we got when we so, were younger. So can I tell you a little story? So my, I, go, I go home yesterday, a grueling couple of days here at TIFF, and I'm not complaining, mm -hmm. but it's exhausting, as you well yeah. know. My son wants to go uh, on a scooter. I take him out with a bunch of skateboarders. I used to skateboard for years. Mm -hmm. I bring a bunch of Hollywood magazines with me, you know, mm -hmm. Variety and Hollywood mm -hmm. Reporter. And I get reprimanded by my son over dinner because I didn't spend enough time watching them. And he says to Elizabeth, my wife, oh, Dad's, Dad spent the whole time reading his magazines he was quite i think hurt that yeah. i did so this whole idea of, of relational shift yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be just tech i mean yeah. tech is definitely yeah. a high offender yeah but but again it's it's paying attention to the details yeah. right it's it's listening so, to others right so so he was actually upset that you he weren't was, he was i think he was having a little fun with me i think yeah. he's 11 years old so he's already got yeah. a little sense of humor and a bit of sarcasm yeah. going yeah. on but i think he was a little upset that yeah. i hadn't spent and he made and he went you know he's he's like his dad yeah. he's gifted in hyperbole yeah. so he made some crack about how he almost crashed into a wall and i didn't <laughs> i didn't see him <laughs> So, of course, I woke up this morning feeling quite, quite convicted, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes yeah. you feel, yeah. feel guilty. Yeah. Absol yeah. I, yeah, I agree with and, you. It's and, and I think, and it's an interesting question, I think, too, as a filmmaker, I'm, I'm I wanted to ask you, does it frustrate you that, um, and I don't know, maybe this is a silly question, that, that more people, hmm, you know, you commented before the recorder was on about Stranger Than Fiction, you know, it played, it, it wasn't really noticed, critics, mm. how do you deal with that frustration? I mean... Maybe you have to, you, have, you know, the, the thing is, I mean, I've been very blessed. I had, you know, uh, big uh, films that have been recognized early on, like Finding Neverland or Monsters Ball or even uh, World War Z or Kytron or movies like that. And then so certain films, that when they fall through the crack or people don't like them, that's you have to live with that. And I've, I feel I've been blessed and thankful for that. But at the same time, ultimately, as a filmmaker, you want people to see your work. Of course. Yeah. And, and for me, it's more about if... To, I want them to see it if they don't like it or like it as secondary. Hmm. I, I want it to spark conversation. If someone tells me, look, I don't like your work because of this, and I said, I'm, yes, that, that, that I think is absolutely right in your taste, and yes, you know, looking at it, uh, like looking at a film, and you can say narratively, I didn't feel like that story build it the way I wanted to build, yes, but there is maybe uh, in any kind of movie or visually it didn't work or whatever it is, what, what some, someone is agitated that didn't work for them, I think, I think is an interesting question, okay, why didn't it didn't work for them? Because mm. walked in with a frame of mind, this is a perfect movie first act, second and third act, it has to build, then it has to change, the character has to change, has to shift and ultimately has a payoff that and I think, to be honest, I think it's a, one of the problems of cinema today because you look at the hero's journey and I think the hero's journey is ultimately that at the end everything has to be wrapped up and I think that's why television today is so incredibly uh, uh, sort of... Uh, yeah, like, no, Empty? Uh, yeah, no, no, but that there are a lot of great TV shows of actually. Course. No, no, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No, but, but, but the thing is it's because you don't... 
uh, you can take your time. You know, they're not right, rush. Right, you right. can Which is exactly leave it open ended. What Netflix and HBO exactly. and are starting to do now, right? With it's, some of the stories they're starting to take. And a you can take more time. It can be open ended. You can just adjust to the characters. And that used to be the chase in cinema in the 70s. But today, it ha that has shifted. And, and that's uh, that part of storytelling just have shifted. And I think it's those films are rarer and rarer. And I think to make movies with originality and provoke mm. and shift it up is if you fail or not, that's that's secondary, but I think it's absolutely crucial for that for, for and, how, and how do you define failure? I'm sure as an artist and as a filmmaker there's certain people you want to keep happy. Yeah. You know, you've got the commercial aspect of it, yeah. you've got funding for your next film yeah. you're concerned about, your strategy, oh, your writing, I mean, this, right? It's ridiculous, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, but but what, while you were talking, one of the thoughts I had while you were talking about the hero's journey and and and, and um, um, what we talked about earlier, expectations and what you bring into a film mm. or a relationship. Maybe critics are the exactly the wrong people to re be reviewing movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they, yeah absolutely. That, that, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah. Maybe the, they are. <laughs> well, I mean, talk about presupposition. Yeah. Talk about mm. expectation. This yes. better deliver or. Yes. And then let's talk about juxtaposition. And what, what did you just see 20 yeah. minutes ago? When you're at a film festival, how is Absolutely. that impacting what you're now going to watch? Absolutely. Right? Did you see Very. some black and white 16 millimeter film, and you're putting it up mm. against some, right? Yes. So and and you're like, oh, ultimately, you have so to watch so many movies, cover them, that you ultimately, I mean, you are tired, you are oh. exhausted because it's, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's endless. Yeah. Okay. So I think the soundbite for me in this interview is that maybe critics are the, the wrong people to be reviewing films. I think that. <laughs> or maybe they're the wrong people who are at a film festival. That's right, at a film festival. Yes. Maybe, maybe that's because it. I yeah. think in it, yeah. you know, there, there's some critics, for instance, uh, Roger Ebert was, was someone who was a big supporter for me early on. He made at the time uh, called Mons Bobest your film of the year, and I met mm. with him many times, mm. had long conversations about film, and he was a real cinephile. He really was. And, yeah. and he was really just one of those great critics. And I felt like to have a critic of his stature review my movie, and uh, I made a movie for Stay once, it was very bad reviewed, didn't do it well at the box office, it was with Ryan Gosling, Ewan McGregor, Naomi Watts. And, uh, and he was one of the very few people who gave it a good review. Mm. But he also criticized it. Mm. And, 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 and the way he constructively took right. it apart right. and really thought about it, right. I was amazed. And I said, like, Oi, I just should show him <laughs> movies beforehand because even just <laughs> here his criticism was sure. so sure. cinematic and interesting and not coming from my personal sort of ego driven, oh, this is shit or this is good. Right. Like, it's not that black and white. He strikes me as the kind of guy who had, who had a pretty much had an ongoing dialogue, not only with film, but with others pretty much all the time. Yes, right? and, and it's that, that dialogue I think is yeah. interesting and, and sort of creates and makes the art, you know, uh, grow. Because I think for any filmmaker, I mean, I have, you know, any filmmaker had reviews, doesn't matter who it is in their life where someone really just didn't like the movie. And you look at them and doesn't, it affects you, but then, but at this point I'm looking at them, okay, I said, what, what is this person really saying or what are they go going through? And then when you look at it sometimes, it's you know I feel bad sometimes for other filmmakers, especially early on. Especially young filmmakers. Yes, gotta and, be crazy hard. And and, right? and I think it's they put their heart into make a film, and everybody knows how hard it is to get the money to make a movie. It's one thing a miracle to make it, another miracle to actually make a successful movie, another miracle that it becomes a hit. There's yeah. so many, yep. so so many miracles involved in that journey. But then someone to get 
literally shut down, especially young filmmakers, which I feel like, you know, you should try and keep making interesting work. I think it's a good uh, leap into one of my favorite moments in the film. I mean, I have lots, but uh, and lots of cinematic uh, favorites as well. But but the the and I don't think we're tipping our hats here, but the 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 argument over the room that they go to. Yes. And uh, it may it may look the same, but it's not the same. For me, favorite moment. Not only oh, the, the, the 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 dialogue, the, and, yeah. but the way it plays out, yeah. and the way we actually find out that you know she's right and yeah. she's wrong. Yeah. Um, that kind of is the that's kind of isn't that what we're talking yes. about here with the critics? Yes. Isn't, that kind of, isn't <laughs> it the same same sort of conversation in a way? It's about perspective and expectations. And yeah, it's it's look. I, I again pay attention to detail. Yes, I mean I, I look. I I like critics. <laughs> I do. I, I like That's critics. Why I'm just I'm, uh, I'm but, here. But no, I, I do I do like the critics. I never and they have been good to me yes. most of the time. Yeah, sure, sure. So so uh, some some maybe not, but most of the time yeah, they yeah. they have been good. But the thing is. Uh, what I feel like it may look the same, but it's not, is what I think, you know, of life is about, of, you know, give me, give me a mask and I tell you the truth. Mm. So, so it's, that's, that's what I think it boils down to often. And it's also if the title, when she looks at herself, is all I see is you, it's often that all we see is us. And I think it's also uh, time to, in a sense, in a, to really uh, see see each other because uh, in a sense I always feel like the way I treat others I want to be treated myself and it's it's like as a filmmaker you know you have your sort of because you then making all I see is yours as a filmmaker I have my vision but ultimately I'm, I'm telling a, a, telling the vision of a character who is discovering themselves right well, so, this is what I so, love but I'm putting film. my vision on top of of actually her vision. So, whose right. vision really is it? Right, right, right. So right. now we're so, getting profoundly philosophical, which and, I love. And, but it's this is to me is an exercise in in, in um, self actualization. It's a it's a dialogue about existentialism in a way about com becoming who we are. I mean, a lovely image that mm -hmm. you end with in the film. Yes. Right. That's, I mean, what's next? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's beautiful, yeah. and it's this is this is what it means to be human. Yeah, you don't get much more profoundly human than that, it seems to me. Which I think, I, I mean, I certainly see that thread in in, in, in your films for sure. Um, have you ever had an MRI? Yeah, you have. So yes. I, I was. That, that's I was, why. why I that's why I put it put it in in the movie because it it flipped me out. I was and I have. That's why it, it was a personal experience, and that's why I put it in there. I wondered because it's just it's such a great sort of piece of foreshadowing. I think it's just yeah. a great and it's and I, the I was, sound I was is with so. What would it be like to be the claustrophobia inside? You know, you know the claustrophobia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, which essentially, yeah. you know. And and I, and my I mean, my experience, uh, you have this little mirror. So you, you, you see, I don't know if you ever had it, but they had a mirror. I had a little bump here. Mirror? My, my yeah, I, I had a so. friend of oh. mine who thought I had a brain tumor. I was going to die, so that's why I had to do it. I didn't, but God thanks. But but anyway, there was a little mirror. And I'm looking, and I see the the lap. Oh, tag that's right. You can in see there. Out. Yeah, yeah, it says yeah, you see yeah, it's, it's the mirror, the lap tag. And 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 I'm lying there, and I said. And I'm talking to Mr. Mike. He said, "I need to get out." And he's like, "And I, because he doesn't, he knows that I don't know if he forgot that I can see him." And he was like, <sighs> "He's like waving his hands, and it's like, like, what, really? And I have to get him out." So it's That's like, awesome. like I, he's already annoyed. So he pulls he's me out again, off, yeah. completely pissed oh, off, on, annoyed. Yeah. Let's do, we have to do this again. Yeah. So he shoves me back in again. I said, "Okay, this time it's gonna work. It's gonna work. I'm gonna stay in this MRI." 
It's, it's, it's for anyone who hasn't done it, it's, you, you can't really explain it. Um, I, there's a hospital just outside of Toronto where they will let you put goggles on and you can watch a movie. Uh, so I highly recommend that. Oh, and then pick something really, you know... Yeah, uh, calming. Yeah, exactly. Like and, Ola Sees You? Yeah, like Ola Sees You. Uh, how, how's <laughs> the this? MRI scene. How's this? Uh, so <laughs> I've had several over the years, in the last couple of years. And probably the best experience for me was when the nurse clearly understood what was going on and has been down this road before. And she, uh, he's, he's looking for the washroom, came over and she put her hands, my legs were sticking out, and she put her hands on my shins and my feet. Nothing odd about it at all it was just beautifully yeah, yeah. relational yeah. and mark immediately i just calmed i'm getting i'm getting it's, goosebumps it's, i see it I it's the human touch I, I, the human touch i calmed down and boom i was 20 minutes and later i'm out the, 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 and i and i said and and what's interesting i was going through a, about a two-year period and i i said to my doctors you got to keep sending me back to that same hospital and i told them the story every time talk mm. about humanizing something that's so you know yeah. uh, why so we got to wrap this up in a couple minutes which i hate yeah. by the way um but uh why thailand um i originally just always wanted to set the store uh, the story in a city that they're aware the expats so that uh, Gina, Blake Lively's character, is more alienated. Mm. That ultimately mm. she does not only see, but she also can does understand the language. And the alienation, I thought, was very important also for, like, that he chose that they, they're not living in a city almost, that he even can have more control over her. At the same time, I, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was, could be Shanghai, Hong Kong, Bangkok, either. So ultimately, uh, when I was talking to different financial partners in those countries, right, right. Uh, for the, the Thailand, uh, my, my financial partner in Thailand was, uh, really understood the movie, really got what I was going for. And, uh, and so I, I thought it would be the right place to, to make the movie. Well, it's uh, it's a great film. I thoroughly oh, enjoyed it, you. and I, I I have to say I was uh, I was really uh, unsettled by where we wound up, and that's not to say that it was a dark film in a sense, mm. but um, just because you you drew me into this relationship in a way, and then you kind of uh, we did a quick U-turn because I, mm. I these these to me these people were just you know mad in, in maddenly mad madly mm. in, sorry mad, yeah. madly in love. Yeah. And uh, just did sort of a quick U-turn throughout the film, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, no. So well, thank listen, you. thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, Mark Forster. Yeah. All I see is you here at the Toronto International Film Festival. I'm. Uh, I hope we can do part two uh, down down the road. But yes, I really, really, I, I really enjoyed the conversation, and really hope that uh, another time we can talk some more. I would love I to really, do that. Really enjoyed as we that. We both know hell is other people. Yes, <laughs> as we both know, Alice, other people, that's, that's funny. Have you been on a cruise ship ever before? Have I, have I been on a cruise, cruise ship? <laughs> yes, I have, actually. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, 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 that's an interesting experience, <laughs> being stuck on a cruise ship with other people. Yes, we'll, uh, we'll end that there. Uh, that'll be Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.